0: night i was called to joyce and um dick's house and dick had passed away and had a heart attack and and uh so we had that funeral um one friday and uh so remember her and and the family in prayer and uh, i want to thank pastor brad took off from work to help me and run the sound booth and uh Pat helped Kathy in the kitchen, and and uh, those ladies that made you know salads. It's important, you know. Maybe someday you're going to have a loved one, and you're going to want to have uh, someone to help you, and and uh, that's one, that's one reason why a church is important. You need you need the local church, and uh, so remember them in your prayers. We are um, talking about. See, I forgot. What were we talking about? We're talking about the local church, the importance of the local church. And now we've switched gears, and we're going into just a short series on this church and what this church believes. And in Acts 2.42, I'll just read it to you. It says, They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and prayers. So was the early church committed? Oh, yes, they were committed. And, uh, but you know, the church today, I don't know how committed they are. I was watching, I, I like war movies. I like those kind of movies. And I saw it was up, and Micah saw it was, so we rented it on, on Dish, and it's called Twelve Strong. True story. How many have seen it? It's a good movie. And, uh, basically you know after 911 they they needed somebody to go in and and deal with the taliban and all these guys in afghanistan so they sent basically 12 soldiers to go over there and they got there and they didn't realize they were going to be riding horses going up against tanks it was really unbelievable story but in the story it uh, the the captain had to you know, get some guys to go another direction and do something. And it would require them, like, walking or something, 100 miles. I don't know. It was a long way. And, uh, and he said, if you don't want to go, you don't have to go if you don't want to do it, you know. And and one of the guys just said, give the order. <laughs> give the order. And so the captain says, I order you. And they said, okay, let's go. And I told, I, I told Kathy, I looked over at her, and I said if the local church if the church of the lord jesus christ could be like that but it's not and it's sad because we're in a we're in a battle too an unseen battle which is even more dangerous we don't see the the you know the weapons and the enemy that's out there but he's there and you need to be committed today, if you're going to not only survive, God didn't just call us to survive and just get along and do the best we can. He wants us to be aggressive warriors, and uh, so in the movie, they, they went ahead and did what they were supposed to do, and it all worked out in the end, and it's unbelievable. If that's even half true, I know Hollywood always embellishes things. But it was a miracle that they survived. So we need to be committed to whatever we're doing. And, you know, I, I forgot, our what are, what's Harvest Church committed to? Okay. Didn't want to get up today and go into the hall and look at that board, did you? So you're, do, you're doing well, soldiers. <clears throat> we, we're talking about commitment. Then we're going to the next few weeks. And I'd like to be done here at the end of the month, and, and uh, then we're going to switch gears and go on another subject. But we're going to talk about, you know, in the next few weeks, serving and sharing. And that's what this, this church is all about, is serving the Lord Jesus Christ and sharing the Lord Jesus Christ. But we looked at some things about commitment. We said commitment requires, number number one, it's a surrender of your will. And Jesus said in John 9, 4, he said, for me, there's no other option. For what is before me is certainly compulsory. I was sent specifically for this mission and this moment and I will answer to the one who sent me regarding how I carry out this assignment. Therefore, I must give myself completely to the task before me and do it enthusiastically and passionately. Now, who who said that? Jesus said that. So what the Father called him to do, did he do it enthusiastically and passionately? Yes, he did. And see, we are no different. We need to be the same way. But we need to surrender our will to God's will. The next thing we said, commitment demands action. We said in Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So you need to be an individual. If you're committed to something, you're going to do it. Not just talk about it, not just think about it, but you're going to do it. Then we said commitment sees the big picture. Look in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 of Hebrews chapter 12. Commitment sees the big picture. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus Christ saw the big picture. Say big picture. He saw the finish line. And there's sometimes as believers... Times get tough. We need to be focused on the finish line. We need to see the big picture. Jesus could see you and I coming to him, you know, generations, hundreds of thousands of years later, he saw us become the redeemed ones of the Lord, amen? Then he also not only saw us, you know, come into the kingdom of God, but he saw that throne at the right hand of the father that someday he would sit down on and that's what kept him going you know for the joy it says that was set before him endured we said endured implies a person who's under some type of incredibly heavy load but refuses (coughs) to stray from his position because he's committed to his task how many have ever been under a heavy load Let me see your hands. If you've ever, maybe you're going through something, well, put your hands down. I got good news for you. doesn't compare anything, anywhere near Jesus and what he endured for you and I. So quit feeling sorry for yourself. Suck it up, soldiers. I'm in the general mode today. You can do it. You can get through it. You're not alone. Amen? Jesus saw the big picture. Commitment to God requires a goal that you can keep your eyes on that will motivate you in difficult times. Keeping your eye, keeping focused on a goal. Now, one more here. Look at 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. So commitment requires the surrender of your will to God's will. It requires obedient action. It requires seeing the end result or the big picture. You're not going to like this one, so should we just close up shop today and go home? Commitment requires that you deny your own selfish interests for the interests of God's kingdom for the interests of others in the body of Christ. Denying self. Say, denying self. You know what? That's going to be kind of hard today because the Bible tells us prophetically in Timothy that people basically are going to be full of themselves, ruled by their flesh and not by anybody else. Commitment. If you're committed to God, you've surrendered your will to him, then you need to deny yourself. 1 Peter chapter 4, it says, Therefore, verse 1, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Verse 2, this is what I want you to get that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of man, but for what? The will of God. The Message Bible says it this way, since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. If you're going to think like him, then what do you got to do? If you're going to think like Jesus, then what are you going to do? Don't make it harder than it is. Then you better be a person of the Word. You better know the Word. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like Him. Could we say it this way? Learn to think like the Word because He is the Word, is He not? Think of your sufferings as a weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. That's that's what the flesh wants, doesn't it? That's what self wants, doesn't it? Getting your own way. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. How many of you How many of you know Now I'm saying when I ask you to raise your hands, this has nothing to do with you. Okay, so don't get all butt hurt. That's what my boys tell me. They talk about, don't get all butt hurt. Never did quite figure that one out. Okay. My butt hurts when I sit a lot because I got no butt. Amen. And I forgot what I was going to say. What? help me out. <laughs> or they're going to all get butt hurt. Well, then you're not any help. What was I talking about? Because it just. It's just left me. That I forgot happens. I didn't what? I forgot it didn't <laughs> <you for laughs> Help me. It's gone, so maybe the Spirit of God didn't want me to. Oh, I know what it was. It happens. I'm 60, and you know. <sighs> that does happen. How many of you know that this doesn't apply to you? How many of you know somebody that's Selfish? <laughs> Let me see your hands. How many of you know? So you thought I was going to say, how many of you are selfish? Now let's see if your hands. How many of you are selfish? Oh, we got honest people. Listen, we all have some selfish, don't we? But if we're going to be committed to, to God's kingdom and what God has called us to do, then we're going to have to give up self. Look at Galatians 2.20. Galatians chapter 2.20. Galatians 2.20. I could quote it. I know this scripture well. I have been what? Crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me now that's a that's a that's there's a lot of depth in that scripture i've been crucified with christ nevertheless i who live but christ lives in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me there's the ultimate Of of giving your life, did Jesus give his life? Of course he did, for you and I. And if you've received Christ and he's your personal Lord and Savior, then it's, you know, no longer you who lives. The old man, the old nature has died, right? And you have a new nature, a brand new nature in Christ. Well, if you're going to let that nature shine, then are you going to be selfish? No, you're not. Jesus wasn't selfish, was he? Not at all. Well, if, how many of you, you would say today, Jesus Christ lives in you? All right. Well, then if you let him shine through you, you're, you're going to be a, an individual that serves and you're going to be an individual that shares, and an individual that gives. Amen? You and I died with Christ so that Christ can live through us. Now let's look at the scripture about Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. You know this scripture well. <clears throat> I like Kathy said, and we need to remind ourselves that we are, we're, t- we're in a battle. And there is a, a A spiritual battle, just turn on TV and listen to the news, what's going on. Has has there been a battle in the White House? Yes. There's a battle going on in this nation. And we need to realize that, and we need to wake up. You know, we came in here, we had prayer Wednesday, last Wednesday. And I started the prayer, and I thought, oh, my God, I just want to go sit down. Because it was like I was praying and nobody else was. And so what did I do? I said, pray louder. And you did, and it made a difference. And I've noticed lately, and especially this, this last last month, and, and Abe could agree with this, and I suppose Pastor Brad too, but you're kind of dead. You're kind of lifeless. You're kind of indifferent. You're kind of like, oh, uh, oh, ho-hum, I'd rather be somewhere else. And that's not a good place to be. And so I'm ex- 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 exhorting you. In fact, you know what? I, I'm, I'm basically, when we boil it all down, all I am is an exhorter. I'm not so much a teacher. My gift is exhortation. And I'm exhorting you that, that you need to remind yourself when you walk into the church, self, wake up. Self, you will worship God today. You will not sleep during Pastor Mike's message. Now I'm not standing here because you sleep, Julie. You never sleep. I'll move over here. Wake up, Lewon. No. Do you do you understand what I'm saying? If you, the church, are indifferent and apathetic and and thinking about doing other things. What do you think the rest of the world's like? Think about it. If the church is asleep, if the church is apathetic, if the church is indifferent, what's the world like? Much worse. Maybe the same. So I encourage you, everyone say, Pastor Mike, I will endeavor to press in. You promise? Okay. We'll let you go. We'll let it slide today then. Philippians chapter two. You you think, oh, Pastor Mike's picking on me. What do you suppose the twelve disciples were like when Jesus walked the earth? <laughs> they in some ways they were anal. They just didn't have a clue. He worked miracles and down the road they go and They had no idea what Jesus had done, what Jesus had said. That's why sheep need a shepherd. Philippians chapter 2, this is the account of Jesus. We're talking about... The denial of, of, of yourself or selfish interests. It says, therefore, if there's any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Now look at verse 3. Let nothing be done through what? What's your Bible say? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each esteem others better. Boy, is that the world's way? No, the world's way is cutthroat. That that isn't the way the world operates. It says, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind or attitude be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be equal with God but he made himself of no reputation. He stripped himself of all of his divine privileges taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death Of the cross. Jesus chose to empty himself of divine, his divine privileges. He became a bondservant to mankind. And see, you and I, if we're committed to God, we're committed to what he's called us to do. We realize the old man's dead and buried. We have we're we're alive with Christ. We need to let him shine through us. We need to be concerned not only about ourselves and our family, but we need to be concerned about others. You and I need to be concerned about somebody else in the church. You and I need to be concerned about our neighbors. We live in a neighborhood. We know what's going on. We keep an eye. We have some older people. And, you know, it. it, it I had to finally pull down my shade when I'm sitting in my recliner, because the neighbors on the other on the other side of the street, there's the old. They could see. I got a call at ten thirty, and he says, "Or Mike," he says, "My my gas is out." He well, he knew I was. I he says, "You're not." He knew I wasn't in bed because he could see right through. And I'm sitting there. I've had to learn to pull down my shades because the neighborhood don't want. Some of them want to know what's going on. They're snoopy. But we need to be concerned about the interests of others. And we talk about it. We live in a good neighborhood. Gone are the days where where neighbors help neighbors. Remember those days? Do anything to help a neighbor. But now we're too busy. We're too distracted. We've got too much on our plate, our jobs. And we've got to go here and we got to do that. And the cat's in the cradle and, you know. Silver spoon, when are you going to come home? Remember that song? Too busy. Luke 14. Luke 14. I'm almost done. I want to stir you up today to this coming week. Do something for somebody else. Don't just take care of, you know, us four and no more. Take care, be be a blessing to somebody outside your family unit. And I know that many times you do. But we need to concentrate on that because if you're going to be committed, you're going to deny yourself of of your own selfish interests. Look at Luke 14, verse 25. This is the call to discipleship, and great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, "If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life, also he cannot be my disciple." He's, he's calling for total commitment, folks. That doesn't mean literally we hate our father and mother. You've got to read that and study that. It says, and "Whoever does not bear his cross come after me, cannot be my disciple. Go on, go on to verse 33. For the sake of time. It says, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Discipleship means giving up all of your selfish interests for the sake of Jesus and others. Give how many of you parents have given up and sacrificed a lot for your kids? Sure even your grandkids. We need to have that kind of heart's attitude when it comes to, you know, our circle of friends, our neighbors, fellow people and believers in the church. I'm going to read to you, and you don't need to turn there. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Now, I'm going to close with this. How many of you know 1 Corinthians 13? What do they call that? The love chapter. Here's some different translations. Of verse 5, love does not seek its own. Love does not pursue selfish advantage. Love does not sis, insist on its rights. God's love does not try to get things for itself. Here's another one. God's love does not insist upon having its own will. God's love does not demand its own What are we talking about? We're talking about commitment. Are you willing to surrender your will to God's will, not half-heartedly? Are you willing to obey by doing what God's called you to do? Do you see the big picture? Do you keep your eyes on the end, you know, the goal? And then finally, you need to learn, and I need to learn how to deny ourselves for the sake of others amen stand your feet this morning say I am committed to God's kingdom I see the big picture I'm ready to act and do what he's called me to do I'm not just interested in me or my family, but I'm interested in others. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you for this committed group of believers I thank you, Holy Spirit, for pointing out areas in our life that we could be more committed. And so, Father, we put our trust in you today, and we want to learn to think like Jesus, the same attitude, sacrificing our lives for others. Father, I thank you, Father, for your goodness and mercy this day, following every one of these people this week. Order their steps, Lord. Turn their hearts in the direction you'd have them to go. Speak through their lips. Let them be an encouragement to others, Father, as they go their way. So, Father, I thank you, Lord God, for your word that lives and abides in each one of them and they're doers of your word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. And everyone said? And everyone really said? And everyone said, I really, I really am awake. You sure? Amen. Gunner, come here. I'm going to pray for you. He's leaving us. Everybody's leaving the fuel burst. The Kids are growing up. He's going to Omaha. Every, what's in Omaha? Gee, Jasmine? You guys are in Omaha? <laughs> Omaha's a lot more fun in Norfolk, isn't it? A lot more to do? Oh, that's because you're getting older, Father, I pray for Gunner today. Thank you, Father, that you have a plan and a purpose for his life. Father, I thank you, Lord God, the seat of a righteous man and woman is blessed, so I call him blessed. I continue to pray his heart be softened, Lord, to your word. I continue to thank you, Lord, for plugging him, plugging him into the right place, Lord God, that his feet will carry him to, to the right people and the right relationships, and he'll bless him in the days ahead, spirit, soul, and body, and financially. I thank you, Lord, for your protection upon him, Father. And the whole family, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Guess what? You got a job there, don't you? <laughs> got a church for you to go to if you want to go to it. It's called LifeGate. Is that where you're going? Huh? You're going to a different church? Okay. Well, whatever. Gunner, look at me. Don't look at her. <laughs> she don't know anything. Find a church and go as much as you can. Amen. All right. Wouldn't you and Micah just be spiritually huge on the inside if you guys did? You know what you do in the natural? You pump that iron. (laughs) Amen. I better go before I say something. Is there anything else I need to say? Thank you. That's coming up Tuesday. Vote. And if you don't know who to vote for, ask a question. Get in the newspaper and get on your knees and pray, but please be a registered voter and vote. Amen? God bless you. Have a good week.